0: Ryan O'Reilly shed some light on his decision to not resign in Toronto. Plus, we're going to go over some things that Mitch Marner had to say about the ongoing contract negotiations with William Nylander and Austin Matthews. We'll discuss that and more on today's edition of the Locked On Lease Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Your Locked On Maple Leafs, your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team Every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Lee's Podcast. It's your team every day. I'm your host, David Morissuti from Sportsnet, joined today by my good friend, Frank Stanishi. Uh, he is filling in with Mike Still on Vacation. I don't even I, I should have like a mike vacation countdown for when he's expected to come back uh but he is away on vacation so frank has graciously agreed to help step in for me and just remind everybody that locked on lease is a daily maple leaf century podcast we are no longer going to be doing five episodes a week we are now down to three episodes a week as we are in fully off season mode because five shows a week with no news is a little tough to do sometimes so uh make sure you still subscribe for free wherever you get your podcast from, and you can make sure you catch us up on YouTube, Locked on Leafs, and we'll be doing this three days a week until roughly September, I believe, is when we're going to be going back to five a week. So uh, we're still going to be bringing you that Leafs content. We'll be bringing that Leafs news. So make sure you guys continue to stick around for that. Frank, how goes it? It's been a little while since I've you. First had of
1: all, you, thanks right? for having me on. I appreciate the uh, invitation and the participation.
0: No problem. And so it's been really, let's just say, any sort of headline, you kind of grab at it when because it, there's really not much that's been discussed. We're kind of waiting in the wings for some news. There's not really a lot happening. And the one that jumped out to me was the one that happened on Monday where Ryan O'Reilly kind of did one of his first. He's, he's done interviews since signing in Nashville, kind of his first with the Toronto media. He was on TSN 1050 first up. And he basically discussed his decisions, part of the reasons why he moved to the Predators. And he was asked whether or not the spotlight of playing in Toronto played a factor. And this is what he had to say it wasn't the ultimate decision there. I liked, I think so many things come into play. But yeah, I think that is a factor as well when talking about the spotlight. It is different. It is something I did enjoy for the time there, but I just felt it was better to be somewhere else. There are many great things that do come with that, though. I think that the team is amazing with the pieces they had this year. They're going to be right there contending. It is an amazing place. Like anywhere, there are two sides to it. That, that last part there kind of raised an eyebrow. There's There are two sides to it. Now, does he mean there's two sides to it in that there's two sides to it when it's involving a player in the spotlight? Because obviously everyone thinks the spotlight isn't necessarily always a bad thing. But maybe he's trying to shed light on... You know, spotlight can be a little tough for some people.
1: I think he just was basically saying there are positives and negatives to being a Toronto Maple Leaf. And unfortunately, when he added them up, uh, the negatives
0: were a little stronger. Yeah, I mean... There- nashville we know how nashville is nashville's a great place to live you know they're not gonna be he believes they could be a contending team he did say that in the interview and even i i kind of raised my eyebrow there because they didn't necessarily make the moves to me that suggests they're gonna go and contend maybe they'll try to go back to the playoffs but contending i don't know about that um i i do wonder though some people always talked about, well, you know, he chose Nashville over Toronto, even though they offered the same contract. And now, we're, I mean, I think Brad Living also, you know, kind of shed light on that when he said that, you know, spotlight does play a factor. It's tough to be that home homebound kid playing in your city because it's not just the fans, it's not just me, but it's also your own your own family and things like that. The pressure that comes with that, you know, you're trying to like. There's a lot of pressure playing in Toronto. We know that. We know the we know the playoff miseries that have happened. We you know the team constantly had to hear about getting over the hump in the first round. Now it's the whole 1967, not having won a cup in that time. It's not easy. That pressure has never been easy, and it's been like this, Frank, for God how long? You you probably know you've been following this team a lot longer than I have, and you know that this has probably been.
1: Well, coming from the old guy in this group, um, I, I, you know, pressure is is something that you can feed on or it can overwhelm you mm-hmm. or anywhere in between. I, I think what you have here with, with O'Reilly, with O'Reilly it is that he has won a Stanley Cup. So, you know, been there, done that. Now he's working. Let's, let's try to recall also that and consider the fact that these guys are working for a living. And, and just like anybody who, who works at a job, there are perks to the job. And then there are things that I wouldn't call perks. He established that in his conversation that the perks were overwhelmed by the challenges. Being a Maple Leaf is really hard. I, I agree with you 100%. The problem with being a Maple Leaf, a New York Ranger, an L.A. King, is that that pressure exists. What doesn't exist is an amount of money that helps you to say, "Okay, I'll take on that pressure. If all things are equal, which in the National Hockey League, they aren't, as we know, because, you know, taxes and those kinds of things. There are ways to make more money. There are ways to enjoy your work. Um, There are ways to feel challenged and accept those challenges. That's a menu of things that people who are players have to pick from. We just heard from the ex-Leaf that, you know, "Eh, it was too much for me. And and that's fine. And that's fine. I just just think that what that means to me is with the Maple Leafs, they need to find guys, unfortunately, with a, a high level of character and an extremely thick skin. And, and it's not easy having a thick skin. We all get affected. So it makes it hard to be a Maple Leaf because you're always being judged. And, and let's face it, um, you know, Leaf fans, I'm speaking to you. You can be unfair. And that unfairness does tend to taint decisions to the negative. In other words, not playing for the Leafs, because players are people. And uh, this is why sometimes I kind of want to pull my hair out when I hear some of the stuff, you know, coming out of the Leaf fans. In in a sense, I guess what I'm saying is that Leaf fans are their own worst enemy at times, or at least some of them are, not all of them. Many of them are great, uh, you know, promoters uh, of playing for Toronto. But there are a few who make a lot of noise that make it difficult to be a Maple Leaf. And yes, that is hard to accept for you that players are human.
0: Yeah, no, it's true. Um, I, I mean, I see it when I hear play, you know people talk about Austin Matthews being soft, you know, and I'm just like, I mean, the guy led the all NHL forwards in block shots. That doesn't necessarily speak to me as soft. Does he hit every chance he gets? No, but that's not the type of player he is, right? And so. It, 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 I, you do see it. You can do see how the fan base can turn. It's just like, and you know what Ryan Raleigh kind of said, like, they're the leaves are like the New York Yankees of the NHL, right? right? It's great when you're having success, but when you're not having success, it can get intense. Now, the, that intensity can be a good thing because there's a lot of passion with this fan base. Passion is never a bad thing, but. There's got to be that balance, right? The players can't always feel like there's this hanging doom cloud over them, or like the fans are ready to turn on you just because you know you do you're not doing exactly what they want you to do, right? It, it's it's something that's always been the um, the issue here in Toronto. We're going to discuss a little bit more on that because it does relate to uh, some of the things that Mitch Marner and Austin Ma- with you know Mitch Marner had to say about Austin Matthews, Will Neilan's contract, plus Brad living coming over, so. We're gonna discuss a little bit more of that on the other side. Uh, this is Locked On these podcasts, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It is your team every day, and today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And you know, right now you can take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel. Get ten times your first bet and amounts of bonus bets up to two hundred dollars. That's right, just bet twenty dollars and you'll add two hundred dollars. In bonus bets, win or lose, that's $200 you can spend on everything from the money line, over/under, who's going to hit the first home run in the game, anything really. You put put your money towards. You can go and get yourself $200 in bonus bets, all on the app. That's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Plus, when you win, you get paid instantly. There's no better place to bet on MLB, NHL, whatever sport you follow. Is there over at FanDuel because it is America's number one sports book? So sign up today. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 of bonus bets. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on FanDuel, official partner of Major League ba- Baseball and the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: David, can I add something on the uh, on the other side where, where we left off before the ad? Mm-hmm. Um, there's also the issue that, that fans think that players don't try that you talked about a little bit uh, or hinted at the thing about trying really hard there's a saying in hockey they squeeze their sticks a little too hard yeah so the pressure also can make you don't necessarily cower from the pressure that might not be the negative that you deal with but another negative is you try too hard you know leaf players are human they see how much support they have they see how dedicated the majority of the fans are and they're trying real hard and sometimes trying real hard doesn't work there's a relaxed trying kind of hard and then there's a nervous kind of trying hard i'll I'll leave folks to figure out which is better
0: yeah and look i think uh when people see you know let's say william nielander has a very He's, he's got a personality that not everybody likes, or he plays in a style that not everybody likes. But what I I, I will say about William Nylander that I do appreciate is it feels like he can, he can kind of leave the noise in the background. He doesn't let the noise get to him in a way, right? Like, it doesn't show up too much in his body language. Absolutely. Right? Yeah, he
1: looks like he doesn't care. Really what it is is he's just doing his thing. And yeah. he he's he doesn't allow himself to be distracted by what you're determining and calling outside noise and yeah can be effective
0: yeah it, and like you know he, we're when i said on the other side i was going to talk a little bit more about mitch marner and you know he can he had his gala this past weekend you know doing his charity event um he does it every year now and he was talking about you know N- nylander and matthews and um he, he was kind of this they were asking if marner would get involved if he if things were getting to a point where no, nothing was getting done i mean what's mitch marner like is mitch marner gonna go to brad schlittman's office and tell him to get it done no is mitch marner gonna go and grab Neilander matthews by the neck and say all right let's get this done boys maybe he'll say something but i don't think he would do that mitch marner doesn't scream to me as that type of player but what he said um he had this to say about both of his teammates and he says i know that both of them have a lot of joy and love for this team and want to be here we'll see if be i'm going to try and get involved to help on both sides but at the same time they're my buddies before they are teammates and i'm going to look at them as that so
1: he, and he's more concerned with them showing up at their wedding at his wedding
0: right? yeah now. at his wedding which we don't know exactly when that's gonna be that good we don't I don't want to know when Mitch is getting married so don't,
1: how much is it, how much is a plate uh, dinner there what do you think he's oh. not just kidding I'm just kidding I'm doing an Italian thing
0: he I'm did sorry. say I he I mean I don't even know what type of wedding or if it's indoor outdoor where it is all those things so I do think there's um there'll be plenty of white all around yeah, he did say he did say he likes a good party. That's it. That should be a good time, he said. So, I think for for Marner, he understands that you gotta you gotta have some enjoyment here. Try mm-hmm. to find a way to enjoy things uh, as a team. Not let again, not let the outside noise impact you. And he said something about Bradshaw living that I think speaks to the psyche of the players a little bit because we know the players do get. We know that the one thing about Kyle Dubis that all the players loved is he had their backs. He was one, even the ones that maybe didn't deserve the defense of their general manager, those that didn't play well, or those that maybe got into a situation where they deserved some criticism, Kyle Dubas had their backs. And this is what Marner had to say about Brad Chaliving, because we know Brad Trilliving didn't didn't throw players under the bus or anything when he came here. He said, Brad came in and defended us all really in our team it meant a lot to us to come in and do for him to come in to do that it's not just four guys on our team it's a full team effort every single night it's not the narrative a lot of times but we all know we got to be better and that's why we're all excited to get the season going the fact that yeah brad schlevin came in and he and the, the main thing he tried to do was denounce this idea of the core four and say it's the Toronto Maple Leafs it's not Marner Matthews Tavares Nealander as well like I think this is again a general manager playing to the psyche of the players and you see that in Marner's comments you need that when it comes to this market and when it comes to these players must say they need to be sheltered they don't need to be coddled but they need to know the organization has their back because they do take their fair share of criticism now it's not, I'm not saying it's undeserved criticism because these guys are being paid a lot of money and they haven't delivered what they're being paid a lot of money to do, which is to win. Um, so w- what do you think about that idea though of, you know, the players kind of, I wouldn't say needing the general manager to come out and defend them, but to have the general manager do that them.
1: as far as the general manager is concerned, um, he is, you know, one of the first lines of information that the media listen to because uh, you know whenever the general manager talks the media listens because quite frankly they're not out there every day like the players and the coach right the, they only talk once in a while and and if something really horrible happens they get it they get asked questions um you know so for him to take a, a lead foot in in support of his players uh, is a helpful thing um, what i will say is you know as far as as mitch marner is concerned he's not one of the players that um, he's not an O'Reilly guy you know he's a guy who feeds on the fame Uh, we saw him at the Shania Shania Twain concert he made an appearance on stage there Uh, F1 he made an appearance there you know he's a guy who loves the fame he the, the the fame is something that he enjoys I say that because he basically is out there all the time so he's not one of those players that needs the defense of the general manager only because he's more than willing to speak on his own behalf. So I guess what I'm saying is the general manager uh, can help, right? But it's, it's irrelevant if the players can handle it themselves. So when the general manager does talk, that means there's some concern somewhere. And like I said, the general manager, you don't hear from him unless something's going on. Mm -hmm. So for him to say that something was going on that he needed to comment on, um, was it a was it a good reason to comment? Um, I'm on the fence, but he did, and and I think the intention was good.
0: Yeah, I think the intention. Yeah, the intent. It's always like you have to think about what's the intention. What are they trying to? What what's the message they're trying to get across? And I think for Brad Shaloving, he's coming into a situation that, let's face it, not an easy one because there's constantly the the talk about. Again, he came in and everyone's talking about the core four, and he just he he. I think it was just for him. He's just like, well, that's the first issue right there. A right. team can't be relying on four players to live him to to be the do be all and end all. Now, unfortunately, that's what the way it's been talked about because that's that was something that, in, in my opinion, Kyle Dubas kind of. Absolutely, put that out there when he did the whole "we can and we will" to get all those guys signed. It was always about those guys because they're they're the ones that are getting half the cap, right? This is like the imbalance of the of the salaries made everyone feel like, well, yeah, but it is kind of a four player team because we always talk about how four players are getting the largest chunk of the pie, Absolutely. and so I can understand why. And also, team.
1: David, let's let's also consider the fact that Dubas was a, a big influence on this team. And when he left, there was a giant vacuum. And that vacuum now, can Trey Living fill it all? And how does he fill that vacuum? Those questions about, you know, he he has to answer because there's this vacuum. Dubas is left. There were impressions left because of Dubas in charge. Now Dubas leaves, and now Trey Living is left with, with picking up the pieces or, uh, I, I guess... Uh, the same way he spoke out, now he has to act in a way that that shows what the tray living Leafs are going to be like, because the Dubas Leafs uh, are history; they're the past.
0: Yeah, and and we kind of know that with when you have so many good players on a team. Like everyone talks about how you know other teams don't have this issue. Well, hate to say, it, but not every team has this collection of talent up front. Right, like they, not everyone has, you know, a Mar Marner, Matthews, Neilander, Tavares, like that, four group of four players. Not many really do. They they have good players. I'm not saying they don't have good players, but not every team has all those players. Kind of in their prim- now, obviously, Tavares is a little bit is is older than those than Matthews, Marner, Neilander. But Matthews, Marner, Neilander have kind of grown up together until this. There's not many teams I have kind of a trio like that. And that's what makes the Leafs kind of unique in that sense. I don't know if you agree with that, but that's kind of how I see it.
1: I, I agree to the extent that very few teams, not none, very few teams have the talent concentration that the Toronto Maple Leafs have in, in a few players. I think, you know, David, what you what, what we're going towards here is, and when we talk about the elephant in the, in the room, I think is you you asked about the biggest story. Two things that, that struck me, uh, biggest stories to me are Larry Tannenbaum ironically thinking about selling a big portion of his ownership to a teacher's pension fund. <laughs> Have we been here before? It's like a mirror image of what happened. That that, was that, But tied for that is the one and two year contract, which has a lot to do with what you're talking about. Because with the one and two year contract, you're not locked in pun intended you're not locked into contracts that are long and big you can make adjustments we're seeing not just the Leafs the Leafs have done it they're on the leading edge of that one and two year contracts because the long-term contract in essence is finally being realized as a mistake and I think it is a mistake teams you know I joked a long time ago about baseball and them only doing one-year contracts you know A one-year contract guarantees that a player does something and gets paid for it not does something gets paid for 10 years
0: yeah i mean it's funny because a lot of people want that eight-year commitment because i don't even think it's now it's i think part of it is they don't have to hear about a contract for the next eight years and you know they also want to know there's a little bit of that security but here's the thing if a player really likes where they're playing if they like the team, if the team has even has success or maybe doesn't have, even if they don't have success, but they love the situation, you have to have some sort of confidence that that player is going to come back. Mm-hmm. I think that's the big, That's I think that's kind of where you're getting at with baseball. Players have opt-outs in the NFL. Uh Teams have opt-outs. Players kind of have opt-ins and opt-outs. And they'll do it because they like the team that they play for. So like, okay, yeah, we'll... We'll. I'll sign up for, you know, just for the uh, next three years, and then you know what? Then we'll re- we'll do this again. You have to have some semblance of confidence. Like when, when it comes to Austin Matthews, it seems everyone's kind of seems seems of of the thinking that maybe it's going to be a maximum five years, and everyone's kind of like, well, Nathan McKinnon gave eight, Connor McDavid gave eight. Here's the thing about. Nathan McKinnon, he won a cup there. He wants to be there for eight years. And he got paid quite a bit of money to be there, too. Um, Connor McDavid, I think if you had, if Connor McDavid had his way, he probably wouldn't have signed eight years for a couple of reasons. One, you know, things haven't gone well in Edmonton. And maybe you put a little more pressure on the organization to do more because you could say, well, you know, my contract's kind of, you know, I'm not here forever. Let's get this done. But he didn't have that leverage, and you know what? He had it. Everyone's talking about how Conor McDavid is kind of underpaid for what he does. And oh, that's in the eight years you, you, everyone says, Well, he's doing the right for the team, but I have no problem with the player. Uh, you know, yes, you got to make sure you fit in the structure of the team's salary. There is a cap, NHL does put a cap on what a player can make. He, Conor McDavid, can't say, I want 20 million dollars. The NHL doesn't allow that. But at the same time you know if a player is good and a player is producing for you like conor mcdavid is probably more than a 12 million dollar player right now based on how
1: i disagree we can have a debate about that
0: okay we can have a debate about that
1: (laughs) (laughs) i disagree i i I think players some players expect so much money that it it goes beyond their production you know how many points more does does uh like Connor mcdavid is a, a a beautiful player he should earn the most money in the national hockey league but the reality is what the reason i said that i was being half tongue-in-cheek can you picture the four core leafs right and and let's say the better goaltender Samsonov in that playing against the other 12 leafs that's my simple point you need a team to win and 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 sometimes numbers matter and in that case those four Leaf players would not do well against the other 12. So there's a there there has to be a drag on what guys like you know Connor McDavid expect because there's only a pot and that pot is has so much. And if you're gonna play against other other teams, his excellence, right, is made is canceled by the fact that if more money he makes, the less the other players are. That's my that's my feeling about it. That's all I I just
0: so I don't think you're wrong on that. I do think that the issue with the salary cap and the hard salary cap is that's the reality is that teams have to toe that fine line with how much they can pay their stars while also putting a good team around them. Absolutely. And and to me, that's that's I mean, the NFL is different because the NFL has established a clear hierarchy of what players can get paid and how much they should get paid. In the nba has basically told teams you want to pay more than what our salary cap it, it allows pay luxury tax same with mlb you want to give your star players a whole lot of money here's a luxury tax you're going to have to pay into that sure there is an imbalance
1: but basketball too they have it too
0: yeah you Everybody don't hear national hockey you don't hear nba players or mlb players complain mm-hmm. about how much they get paid in in a way i don't really hear too much in at least in the from an MLB standpoint of how much a player gets paid unless they get unless it's a player that gets a ridiculous contract that they never should have gone in the first place but the good players you don't hear about how much they get paid you don't hear about this guy is overpaid this guy's overpaid. you don't hear it that much from the good players in the NBA too does anybody talk about how much LeBron James makes every year does anyone talk about how much Steph Curry makes every year no they talk about maybe the Fred now, Fred Van Vliet kind of make it a little more than he should. But that's that's something the NBA has really, I think, done right. Right. Is they've made sure that, yes, there is a structure, a salary structure that teams have to follow when it comes to luxury tax. But you know what? If a player, if they feel like they want to keep as good of a, as keep their team together and pay every guy what they believe they should get paid, you can go ahead and do that. That you know, that's where the hard cap is filled. The NHL, in, that, in your, that your
1: words, your words. If anybody is paying attention, and I believe I was, and 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 folks, this is the whole point that David's making, is that the greatest players in the league are the responsibility not of the team, but the league. You see, it's the league that benefits for Connor by Conor, you know with Connor McDavid and under the system that it is now only the league benefits the player doesn't benefit the team doesn't benefit um, that's what i'm hearing when what with what you're saying I, i'm sort of you know yeah. plus, and plus and that's where i've arrived because of what you said and i agree 100 percent. so that's why luxury tax that's why um in the in the mls they have you know star players they pay an exorbitant amount of money because they benefit the league more than the team because under the cap system those players become a handicap you know and 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 that's the truth the four to take it back to locked on Leafs being a leaf program those four contracts they strap the Leafs into not winning a Stanley Cup because they can't get past the fact that they have these great players but they have to have players of lesser value. And then that makes them an average team. Average teams don't win a Stanley Cup. The only people, teams that win Stanley Cups are, are teams that are underpaying players um, in situations where they get on a, a confidence thing where they really didn't have one, like Florida, for example, like Montreal a couple of years ago. All these examples are teams that weren't paying players a lot of money, but they had players of value who weren't being paid for what they were worth and then succeeded Incredibly, because we've seen the opposite teams that succeed end up having difficulty paying the players they have.
0: I think you also look at the Stanley Cup final. You had a Florida Panthers team that, on paper, nobody picked them to win any of their series that they went through. But what do they do? They had a goaltender that played out of his mind. Out of his mind. That is something that always happens. Overpaid, too, right? (laughs) An overpaid goaltender, too. Yes. Nobody. Yep, then you had. I mean, obviously, they played a style that other teams just it wore down teams. The physicality, yes, that was a factor. They took advantage of playoff uh, playoff officiating, absolutely. Yeah, they do have now. The thing is, Florida does have some star in town, Matthew Kachuk, Markov, all those things. But as a team, you put them up against the Vegas Golden Knights, who, by the way, are a team that exceeded the salary cap again. <laughs> but I mean, Mark Stone was injured and he came back. I do get that part. But the, you put those two teams together on paper. Ten times out of ten, you're picking the Vegas Golden Knights to win that series, just because that they had the better collection of talent. And you think about underpaying guys. Well, how about the fact that they kind of exceeded the salary cap? Um, and and
1: it's and and Gary Bettman has sworn up and down that the, this is a hard cap. There will be no cheating involved. Yeah. And then he even talked about injuries, players coming back. There's a so with what he said, there should be an investigation into the stone situation.
0: Yeah, I mean, I'll say this with, with Vegas. I mean, they had Robin Leonard go down, they had to get a goaltender to replace him. So, like that one, I can understand that one. But the Mark Stone one, where yeah, I heard that it was pretty his injury was pretty bad, but it was. I, I also say that he came back and he was, you know, they had three, four guys that could have been a consummate finalist. Mm hmm. Mark stone was one of them. I didn't expect that from Mark stone because from what I heard was his injury was so bad that we shouldn't expect much out of him. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where we, that's kind of where it all ended up being um, at the end of the day. So I think that's something the NHL is like, again, we're, we're, you know, we're, we're constantly putting the leaf stars under blast because they want to get paid and it's, they all want to get paid and it's tough because they don't, there's not enough of, of enough of the pie to go around. So players are getting up and fans are getting upset because the players don't want to take less of that pot, like less of that pie. And it's going to be this revolving circle. We're going to be dealing the dealing with this until all the contracts are done. And then we're going to be complaining about how much these guys are getting paid. I'm I'm of the opinion. I hate complaining about what players are getting paid after the fact, because there's nothing you can do to change it unless you trade the player. And guess what? When you trade the player, you're not getting the value back when you're trading that player. Cause everyone's talking about trading Nylander and I keep hearing media and analysts saying you're not going to get back the value of what you're trading Nylander to.
1: Yeah, that's that. But those, I think, I think uh, we've established a, a, a need that I feel that's there, and that is that there has to be a way of paying the real stars. When I say real stars, you know, the top three or four players in the league who are the best at at advertising for the league and making the league. You know, promoting the league more than just their teams. Um, guys like Connor McDavid. There has to be a way to pay them. Uh, the hard cap is is not working for the big city teams. Uh, that's that's my opinion, and I think that's not good because the big city teams are the populist areas, and those are the areas that, uh, you know, it's it, it looks like the it's doing great, but it could do better if their teams were more competitive. You know, I'm talking with the Rangers, uh, Toronto, New York. Um, you know, in LA, those places there.
0: Yeah. But it's something they're going to have If Vegas can figure out a way. These other teams will have to do it too. And there's going to be copycats of that, I think going into next year. So we'll see how that all plays out. Frank, I want to thank you for coming on the show with me.
1: Thank you for having me on
0: my pleasure. And you, I'll probably have you on one more time between now and before Mike gets back. Um, And then maybe we'll have a fan on this week. We had a fan on last Friday. I did have some people reach out It's a tight criteria to come on the show, everyone. I got to vet. If you do want to come, if if there's someone that wants to come on the show, send me a message. I'm gonna have to vet you. There's a a, may have to do a little bit of an application form to get you on the show, but we'll 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 look into doing that for this week. We're still waiting to hear on news from Elias Sanson Over a few days away from that arbitration case, we'll see if that actually does go to arbitration. So we'll keep an eye on that and more going forward. I'd like to thank you all for listening and subscribing to the show, and make sure you continue to give us. A positive review. Give us those thumbs up on YouTube. Make sure you tell all your friends and folks where they can get the podcast from. But until then, keep it locked right here on Locked on Leaves. Thank you.